0: Welcome back to another episode of Adulting Unplugged. I'm your host, Tracy Baconhaster, and today we're diving deep into a topic that's near and dear to every parent's heart, communicating with their teenagers. Welcome to Adulting Unplugged, the podcast that's all about the real life skills and knowledge you need to navigate the world of adulthood successfully. I'm your host, Tracy Baconhaster, and I'm here to guide you through the ups and downs of parenting a self-sufficient, confident, and empowered adult. We believe that adulting doesn't come with a manual, but it does come with a community. That's why we're here to provide you with expert insights, practical advice, and inspiring stories to help you thrive. Whether you're a parent guiding the next generation, a recent graduate, a young professional, or anyone navigating the complexities of adulthood, this podcast is for you. So grab your favorite drink, get comfy, and let's dive into the world of adulting unplugged. In the dynamic journey of parenting, fostering open and honest dialogue with our adolescents can be a rewarding yet challenging adventure. We know the importance of connecting with our teens, but sometimes it feels like we're speaking different languages. Let me hear you, parents. I know you feel that one, right? (laughs) That's why today we've invited a special guest to the podcast, someone who's a seasoned expert in the art of bridging the communication gap with teens, Amy Amritich. And she is a renowned parenting coach and expert. She does a lot of coaching with step families and kind of helping bridge those communication gaps across all different channels. And so she has all kinds of wonderful, valuable strategies and insights on navigating the complex world of team communication. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about all the things, all the challenges, the celebrations, the rewards of connecting with your adolescents in meaningful ways. And Amy's going to provide all kinds of wonderful goodies for you guys today. So Amy, let me turn it over to you and let you
1: just kind of introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about you. Thank you so much. Um, So I'm Amy Ambrosich. I'm a, um, I focus, I used to be a parenting and step family coach. Now I'm specifically a blended family strategist and coach. So I really work with the um, beginning to blend couples or those that are within the first like five to 10 years of, of blended marriage. Um, but over the decades, I have worked with so many couples. And of course, even with my blended family couples, we talk about those relationships with the kiddos, with the teens, especially because it's such a hard time for everyone. So I've um, worked within the Worthington school district, teaching the active parenting program. I've done private coaching for almost two decades now, which is really crazy when you think about how fast it all goes. So um, I'm the personal side mom of three adults, a Nana to one little granddaughter, and we are officially, as of today, empty nesters ourselves. So um, things are hopping around here, but um, this parent, yeah, parent and teen challenge can be something that a topic that every parent wants to talk and talk about cry about. It's hard. It's a struggle for sure. So I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today, Tracy. Yes. I'm so excited to have
0: you here because it is, it's, it's so funny. It's like what happens is for whatever reason, it's like, all right, kids hit puberty. And then it does, it's like, it's a whole other language. It's like, Oh, I don't know how to talk to my kid anymore. And then they grow out of the teens and they're young adults. And then that communication seems to come back and we're all <laughs> on the same page again. And it's just, it could be so complicated. And you're like, what is happening? Why can't I get to this kid? And let's be honest, teen years are hard enough on on their own and then trying to communicate with your kid and them just like talking to a wall. It's just like what is happening. So yes. <laughs> let's just dive into like, can you just kind of talk about that importance of open and healthy, I think is, is a key word, their communication between parents and their teenagers, especially during those teen years. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think we can all, anyone who's been around teens or raising teens, you know that it's a time of change and growth for them. Like they've got the hormones flying, they've got social changes within their friend groups, they are growing both physically and emotionally and mentally. So it can be, like you said, you know, we used, we had that really good relationship with our kid and all of a sudden we're like, what the heck, you know, and who dropped this alien into my home? Who's got a really nasty attitude? (laughs) So. But it's not that they're trying to be difficult. They're just going through so many changes, you know, and they're facing some complex decisions at that stage. And their decision-making skills obviously are not well-honed just yet. We know, you know, if you go into the brain science, it's about age 25 when the executive decision-making part of the brain actually solidifies. So I always have to remind parents, you know, you're dealing with someone with kind of scrambled eggs in that part of the brain. They're kind of hard, but not quite yet. And, you know, we're just still not sure how to do this. Um, impulse control is we see that with our, with our early teens, especially because they're, they're trying to be adults, but yet they're still kids and they're still working with the kid brain. So they're really having a hard time seeing that long-term result of whatever decisions they're making today. They're very like today, tomorrow, and I can't think about, you know, next week. So. And I think really with parents that are raising kids right now, there's so much social pressure. You know, back in the day, it was that peer pressure in the classroom or whatever. But now with social media, the kids are on the screens all the time. It is hard to be that, um, that voice that you, you know, your kids are hearing all the time because they're hearing all of this other noise on the outside coming in through their screens. So when we talk about having that healthy communication, I've got a million tips and strategies um, planned for you today, but, um, it's really about staying connected through the chaos and the conflict. And if you can just keep that as the focus, like I have to stay connected to this kid so that I can be that main influence, that voice that they hear, even when they're not home. If we can just focus on how do we keep that healthy, um, then that will get us through the teen years. And yes, they do come back to you as the, you know, now my kids are all adults. And it's like, and now we have these other kind of conversations again. So... <laughs> so we will get you there.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, and I th- I love that you talked about the especially on the younger teens and let's be honest, the whole impact from covid, I think really impacted oh a lot of this gosh. too with social skills for students. Yes. Um I was I'm doing I'm running an after school program at this charter school and I was talking to the principal and I asked her, you know, like what are some of the skills that we really want to make sure we're we're hitting on? And communication was a huge one, but it came out more in the sense of decision making and them not being able to comprehend those things. Like they're like, they just don't think ahead. They're like, I'm just doing this right now. I'm reacting. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do we get them to stop kind of like pause and think through those decisions? And I think that's part of that communication strategy is how do we teach them those things? So, I mean, I know we talked about some of those challenges, but I mean, how, how would you say to start before we even get into like the tips and strategies, How would you want to create a safe and non-judgmental space for your teenager? Because I think that's important too. You can't just be like yelling at each other, high stress. Like how do you create a space for them to even start to have good communication and implement the tips you're going to talk about?
1: You know, it was interesting. Not too long ago, I did a presentation on on this exact subject um, in the Dublin schools. And I asked the parents, like, what is your biggest challenge? I thought they were going to say screen time. I thought they were going to say outside influences. They said time. Time is the hardest thing. And I was like, well, that's an interesting, let's dig into that. And the more we dug into that, it was really true because, you know, parents are working, they get home and then they're like trying to throw dinner together. The kids have sports and after school activities and homework and things like, when do you grab that time with kids? It's really, really hard. So You know, when we talk about creating that space for them, we need to think about time first. Like, when are we going to do this? How do we do this? Like, what, when are we all at home at the same time? Or, you know, even in the same room at the same time. So thinking about that first and making that an inviting space that I talk all the time with parents about dinner time. Dinner time has to be a priority in your home. Two to three nights a week makes a huge difference. And I'm not talking dinner like, you know, it has to be big and fancy and everything. Just get everybody around the table. And if it's not dinner time, make it Saturday morning, you know, pancakes or French toast for breakfast or whatever. Food will get the teens to the table. <laughs> so bring them to the table however you can. You know, it really, one of the phrases I always use is listen to learn, not to lecture. Because when we sit down and calm down, you know, because, and we're all guilty of this adults too. We're already formulating the answer to somebody or a response to somebody before they finish their sentence. We're like, oh, this is what I'm going to tell them. Stop that noise in your head and say, what am, What can I learn from my kiddo right now? What is the one thing I can do? Don't give them a lecture because what everybody shuts down if someone starts to lecture you, but just calm yourself down and say, what can I learn right now? Listen to learn. That's If you don't do anything else, walk away from anything else from this right now. That's the phrase I want you to focus on is listen to learn. Um, be really aware of your three pathways of communication. And so much of this is what I teach my couples and then they turn around and use it with, with their um, kids and their family too. So um, you know we need to talk about those three pathways. It's the words that we're using, our body language and the tone of voice. And we're quick to pick up if our kid starts getting sassy with us and we're like, you know, don't use that tone of voice with me. You know, don't be snarky with me. What tone are we using? We need to think about that. And is the tone that we're using matching the words that we're using if we're trying to be empathetic and kind, but yet we're being, you know, we've got a little bite to to our responses to the kids. It's kind of shut them down. And kids are really really intuitive when it talks about when we talk about body language they will watch our body language read our body language and go oh now's not the time to have this conversation with them so think about your body language um and tracy one of the things when i teach my workshops i always have parents just sit and cross their arms really tight while they're sitting with me and i said okay i want you to take a deep breath and open your arms palms up and this is the palms up technique i learned from active parenting When you open your body language up to the kids, they're willing to come into the space. If you're closed and tight, or if you're busy on your computer, or if you're busy on your phone or whatever, they're going to say, mom and dad's not listening right now. So why should I bother? So making space for them to come into your space um, and be in their space too you know, show up at their activities don't over-include yourself but just be available be available to them um so that they know that they can you know there's that openness between the two of you to come and go um and show that you're listening how many of us are half listening and we're you know we're we're texting as we're you know kind of having a conversation with our spouse or whatever and or we're you know the tv's on in the background and close off all of the nonsense and all of the noise and really tune into your kid when they're coming to talk to you because when you're available for the small stuff they'll come to you for the big stuff too
0: yes i love that and i think it's that whole being present and yes. and i think as, it's so funny because you're right like as parents we get so annoyed oh my spouse on their phone all the time my kids on their phone all the time they're always playing video games they're always doing all the things but then when our kids come to us and we're doing those things we don't even see it we're like uh-huh yeah right okay yeah Mm-hmm. And I like to think of it in the professional setting. I want parents would we do that if we're talking to our boss? Would we do <laughs> that right. if we're you know, in a in a networking event or having with this, you know, we're sitting there with grandma and she's telling us her life story. we're not going to be distracted. We're going to be in that moment, but why don't we do it with our kids? Yeah. and I, and I'm guilty of it too. And honestly, I've even, shunned my son a few times he tried to come talk to me like no I'm busy right now Mm -hmm. I can't talk to you right now when he he's like I want to talk like I'm ready to talk to you about this yeah bedtime's a big one for him and I've had to catch myself because I'm like You need to go to sleep. Mom needs to go decompress. Like, I need my decompress before I go to bed. You need to go to sleep. But that's like his, he's like, mom, can you stay in the room? And I want to talk to you. And it's like nothing crazy. It's just like, so I did this here. He'll, He'll be like, so how was your day today? And he's 10. And it just cracks me up because I'm like, it's so easy to be like, dude, I've got time for this. You need to go to bed. And having the tone and getting frustrated. And so I've really been trying to work on that because it does. It starts to close those doors. And then when he is a teenager, he's like, well, mom doesn't have time for me. Mom doesn't want to talk to me. Yeah. So I love that. And I love the dinner table aspect because that has become very lost in our society today. I feel like. like I know growing up every single night we had dinner together. There was no if, ands, or buts. There were no phones at the table. There were no any of that stuff. It was this is dinner time. Yes. The same time sometimes we'd watch TV. If we're watching a movie together, but a lot of time it was just like, "Hey, how was your dance?" Well, we would have those conversations about school and things going on. So I love that you bring that into this because I think that is so important for families to be like, make the time. Like yes. this is your kids, and what I, what I I read a statistic, and maybe you know the statistic. They talked about, you know, from the time they're born until the time they're like eighteen you've already spent like 75% of the time with them that you will ever spend with them. And I was like, oh,
1: yeah. yeah. And I can vouch it's true because once they're adults and they're out of the house, you see them, you know, for an occasional dinner together, or you, you know, it's a phone call here and there, but they're busy adulting and doing their life. So they're like, oh, you know, I remember when I moved from Indiana here, when we got married, it was once a week on Mondays. I would, you know, this is back in the day when you had to pay for long distance phone calls. So that's how old I am. But but I remember Monday was my day, you know, to call mom and dad and just check in and see like, how's everybody back home and things like that. I treasured those moments because it was like, this is the only time I have to connect because I have three kids and life is crazy. So making that time to connect with your kids when they come to you is, super important because yep once they're out they're out so yeah. yeah and you you need to grab the time while you still have them under the roof <laughs> yes exactly
0: and, and I think like you said that that whole safe space to open that door for communication is active listening and being present with them I mean I love that just like listening to what they're having to say not jumping in with solutions or fixes or any of that stuff unless they need that so yes. I love that. I mean,
1: I'm glad that you said that because that was one of the things I wanted to bring up because something I have to work on with my couples all the time is, you know, men tend to like to problem solve. Women like to just commiserate or just share and rant and get things off their chest. They don't necessarily, they're not necessarily looking for a solution. They're just like, I just got to tell you this thing, <laughs> get it off my chest. I had to do this within my own marriage. Um, but what I teach my couples all the time and I teach this with parents and their kiddos is ask first. Do you just need to vent and get this off your chest? Or are you looking, are we going to problem solve? Because I need to know what mindset you need from me before I go into this. And then ask open-ended questions. You know, super important. Like, you know, um, what did you do next? Or can you tell me more about that? Keep, Keep them talking so you get more information. Because at some point in time, you can say to them, well, would you like my suggestions? Or do you, you know, what, what ideas do you have? You'll get to that problem-solving stage, but you need to know going into the conversation what your kid needs from you. Sometimes they just need that time to connect like your son at bedtime. He's like, now's my time, <laughs> let's chat, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, and I, I love that. I think that is that is so powerful to like those questions of asking, do you need this? Like where well, before we get into this, what are you looking for? Because I struggle with my marriage too, where I'm like, I just need to get this on my chest. I already know the solution. I'll need you to tell me the solution. Like, <laughs> let's just.
1: <laughs> I just need to vent.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, I think that is so powerful to be able to just ask questions. Like, that's mm-hmm. what key in communication. Like, what do you need right in this moment? Yes, I, mean, yes, I love that. That is that is amazing. And and it, it's funny because people probably heard those things like with their spouses or whatever. Like, hey, ask questions, but we don't do with our kids. Our kids are humans too. I think we sometimes put them on this level because like, oh, there are kids. They're they're important to us, of course. Like we love our kids and all these things, but oh, Mm -hmm. we're still putting work or this or that or over our kids or our phones or whatever. And I think just saying, okay, what do you need in this moment from me? And treating them like an adult and ask those questions to them. And
1: sometimes they'll say, I don't know. And mm -hmm. that's okay. If they don't know, that might mean that they're struggling with a lot of big feelings. They don't have the words. To put, you know, they're like, I know my body feels tense. I know I don't feel good or I'm I'm very upset, but I don't know exactly how to explain this to you. So they, you may ask, what do you need? And they'll be like, I don't know, you know, or or they may be emotional and they, do you need a hug? Do you need some space? You know, do you want me to sit next to you for a little bit? Or, you know, do you want to go take a walk? One of the things with preteens and teens, especially, especially our teens, we need to with our little kids, we can do face to face, you know, we call it belly button, to belly button. So you're really facing them. And you know, eye contact, if you've got littles sit on the floor, so you're closer eye contact with them. I used to pop my kids up on the countertop, you know, and be like, all right, tell me what's going on. So they didn't feel like I was they were talking up at me, and I was talking down at them. Teens get a little weird sometimes about that. And they're like, I don't want to look at you, especially if it's bigger topics. They're like, I can't look at you and have this conversation, have those conversations in the car while you're driving. Mm. Cause then no one's looking at anybody, you know, or take a walk with them or are shoulder to shoulder. So you shift from belly to belly to shoulder to shoulder. And when you have that walk with them or you're shooting hoops with them or or, so they don't feel like you're judging them because you're looking at them, that may make it a little easier for them one of my kids likes to cook and that would be when i would get those conversations from him he'd be chopping vegetables and mixing stuff in and that's when we would have our conversations because he was kind of you know on on the surface he was focusing on his cooking and stuff but then he was also sharing his day with me too so um you know teens sometimes need us to to step away from the eye to eye and into the shoulder to shoulder conversations then they'll open up a little bit more so I love that because it's
0: funny because I like on the career readiness side when I'm working with people, it's like, oh, we are teaching how to have eye contact. As teenagers, a lot, especially these days, do struggle with that. They teenagers. get very like, oh, I don't, I'm going to talk down here. I'm not going to look at you. But in this setting, it makes total sense where, okay, they want to be able to open up to you, but mm-hmm. that eye contact could be intimidating. It could be scary. It could be embarrassing. It could be whatever. And so, yeah, I love that, like, especially in the walk. And to me, it's like a visual of, okay, like you're on a walk, you're, ne- you're partnering together, you're partners. Yep. And yeah. that's like, you're partnering with your kids, supporting them in that sense. So that's, I love that. So here's a fun one. And I, I want to dig into this because I think this is a big struggle parents have, especially these days, is how, and we're, this is like, I think a big one for communication how should parents approach initiating difficult or sensitive conversations with their teenagers, such as topics related to relationships, mental health, substance abuse, even you know sex, those types of things, because those are really important conversations that parents need to be having with their kids that I think a lot of parents haven't. And so then we see p- teens struggling with this stuff, or it's not being taught in schools. Like sex ed's not taught hardly in school anymore. It's kind of like, oh, they do a little puberty demo or talk about a video and then that's it. So if you're not having these conversations at home, these kids don't understand this stuff. But it's also a really uncomfortable topic. How how do you approach those difficult conversations?
1: Yeah. If there's especially if there's been some conflict in there, I I always tell parents make sure you know your end goal in mind. Are you wanting this conversation to be educational? Are you trying to gather information? You know, because um when our daughter would started high school, This one, we were sitting and eating dinner, and all of a sudden, she pops off, and she goes, did you know that kids go to smoke weed at the ravine? Like, in the middle of dinner, and I'm like, excuse me? She goes, yeah, so that was was my opportunity to gather more information, you know, and it's like, well, how do you know this? And, you know, so then we started... But again, we were at the dinner table. So it was a really relaxed conversation, but at the same point in time, the mommy brain is screaming. She's 14. Why does she know this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so not my kids. So that kind of freaked me out a little bit. So know your end goal of mine before you go in. Like if you want to do conversations about, you know, relationships and things like that, are you going in because you want to find out where they're at in, you know, The boy-girl relationship, or whatever, or are you just like, hey, you know, you might be having some feelings about some of the people in your, you know, in your social circle. So, are we educating them on how to handle these things, or are we trying to gather the information first? So, and then you already brought this up. I'm going to talk a little bit about talk time. Know your kids' talk time. Do not spring these big conversations on them like in the middle of what uh, whatever else they're doing. Make sure that it's a time where everybody's calm, everybody's relaxed. Go in with kind of an outline in mind of of the topics that you, because if you're already flustered going into the conversation, it's not going to go well. So go in with a little, you know, outline of what you definitely want to cover with your kiddo. Ask a lot of open-ended questions. What do you know about Or Hey, I saw if you want to take it away from them, but you still want to know where, where they're at on something, you can ask them like, hey, I saw in the news that they were talking a lot about this thing, whatever the, the topic is that you're worried about, you know, when they were talking to kids at a high school in California about this thing. And do you guys talk about that at school? Like what, you know, what's going on at your school that, you know, that you've heard through the grapevine kind of thing, or I've heard from another mom that this thing happened at school. Do you know anything about it? You know, and just kind of open the line of communication and just no judgment. I'm just kind of wondering if you even heard about that this was going on. Leave it so that you're kind of, you're not making any judgments or anything like that. We're just, here's the conversation that we're going to have. So talk time is so important though, because you cannot spring these, these hard conversations on your kids. You need to know when they're most relaxed and most open. You know, some kids like to talk in the morning. Some kids like to talk in the evenings, whatever. So know your kid before you start doing this conversation. Yeah, I love it.
0: It's kind of that. I like that aspect of coming to them in a sense of curiosity, not like yes. judgment, not like, oh my gosh, I heard this today. Is that true? Like, just like, so what, I mean, what, what's going on? I, I do that with my son yeah. sometimes again, cause he's 10, but he's had crushes. And so we like to like mess with him, but it's in a fun way. And he like, gets all like, whatever, about it, but he'll talk to us about it. <laughs> because we approach it that way. It's very comfortable for him. We're just like, so how's so-and-so doing? And just stuff like that, where it's not hardcore, serious conversations yet. But no. I think having that, and he'll come and say, you know, well, I don't like this girl anymore, mom. I like this girl now. And he'll just like come to me and tell me those things because we've had that non-judgment, just like, yeah, whatever. And like, and we make a joke of it too. Like, okay, we like kissing. It's like, oh no, you aren't allowed to kiss no girl until you're 18. Like, you know, just, and he knows that we're just messing with him. But I think again, knowing your kid, That style of communication that they have and when those conversations can be had, because, and I think I'm sure you'd agree with this too. It's not prodding. We're not poking and poking and poking and poking at them to get information. Let's say, Hey, I don't know where you're at with this. And even I think in the educational side, if we're having hard conversations about uncomfortable topics, even if your kid's kind of sitting there quiet and they're not giving anything, they might be just processing and they might come later with you. And, or you just say, Hey, listen, let, I just want to talk about this with you. And even if you're kind of like, Hey, let's, here's all the stuff about this that I want you to know. And here's how to be safe. Yeah. If you have questions, if you want to talk about this at any time, we've told my son that as they had the puberty conversation last year, and we've had to talk about some of the things because he was going into middle school this year. And okay. I'm like, I don't want you to learn this stuff from kids. So I told him, I'm like, anytime you have questions about this stuff, we will answer it. Uh-huh. And so he has come to us and been like, so what's this? And even when it's like, Oh, and even it's like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about this right now. Like, I don't want to talk about this right now, but he does. And he's uh-huh. asking. So it's saying, all right, let me just stop what I'm doing. Take a second or say, hey, buddy, right now is not the best time can we talk about this in you know, an hour or this time? Let me get done with this first because maybe it's like I've changed the baby's diaper. Probably not the best time to talk about the subject. And right. he's like, yes, okay, that's great. So, because I think that is something that a lot of parents just don't have because it is uncomfortable and they yeah. don't know how to approach it. And so then their kids start experimenting with things or going to their peers to learn about it. And that's not the
1: best place to get the information. No, no, definitely not. Yeah, the playground, the school bus, those are not, no, <laughs> those are Not reliable sources of information for sure. And just letting your kid know if you ever have any questions, even if it feels uncomfortable. I had one family who they just, it was this, those topics were hard topics for everybody to dance around. So they they started a question box. So the kids could pop, write a question on a post-it note and stick it in there. And then that's when the conversations, you know, were brought up. So they'd be like, hey, someone posted a question in the question box about, about vaping. So let's, you know, let what what questions do you guys have? And they did it as a whole. They had four kids. So they were like, so what all do you guys know about vaping? You know, and then they just kind of took it from whatever level the kids were. And then they went a little bit further, but that way the kids didn't feel like they were being targeted for that conversation. It was just a family topic. So, that's awesome. and the kids that's knew that they could put anything they wanted in the box.
0: That's awesome. And I think that's something that because there are a lot of parents that there's parents, I think, that go both directions. They go extreme on like the hands off, and then they go extreme mm-hmm. on the hands on. And sometimes that overprotective, or oh my gosh, I don't want my kid to get pregnant. So we're going to make this as a no go. And, and it's like, well, no, you got to keep that open communication going. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying you say, hey, here, you know, here's the things and I'm going to support. I'm going to give you your bedroom and you can have your boyfriend, and your girlfriend over. No, I'm not saying no. <laughs> extreme, <laughs> but no, keeping no. that <laughs> open communication of it is a safe place to come Mm -hmm. talk to me about any topic you have, even if, like you said earlier, the mom brain's going like, I want to lecture you on this right now and tell you all the things not to do. But that's where we kind of have to stop ourselves as the adult and have that conversation with our kids. Otherwise, they're not going to come talk to us about things.
1: Absolutely. The other thing that this phrase popped into my head, um, when I work with my couples, we do this building your family foundation. So your vision, values, and goals, which every couple needs to work on. And I have a whole process for that. But at the end of that, they come out with a statement and it says, in our family, in our family, these are the things we believe in. These are the things that, you know, we hold true. So when you have those values already set for your family, then the kids are raised with that too. And then when when they come in, inevitably every teenager will come to their parent at some point in time, well, my friend gets to do this. Well, my friend gets to do that. I get that. And and that's what their family decided on. In our family, you're not allowed to do this because X, Y, Z. You know, and in that way, this is our family belief. This is our family values. And the, these are the things we're trying to instill in you. And here's the reason why. Don't just mm-hmm. tell them and no. And here's the reason why. And then that way they can, you know, they can accept it without a whole lot of rebellion. I mean, they may not love you for it, but at the same point in time, they're going to be like, well, at least she has a reasonable reason for setting those boundaries. You know, like she's not just saying it just to be mean. So, um, and th- I think that helps too. So when you know those values that you want your kids to be raised in and talk about them all the time, just as part of the natural conversation at home. Then they know when they start struggling with these topics, they're going to be like, oh, but in our family, this is, you know, this is how we're approaching it. So it, yep. it gives them that that fallback on too, you know, love for that. them as they make those decisions. Yeah, I love that. And
0: I think, again, it's treating them like an adult. Well, here's why I said no instead of being why I said no, because I'm your parent. Because yes. I'm in, I'm the boss, and you're you're not. Yes. And it's like yes, that is true. But we don't just say that to our kids. They they know that they know this yes. thing. Uh, it just that just reminds me of like this the situation with my son. So he lays video games. and We limit them a lot because in our family, I am like, nope. Yes. <laughs> We're not going. You're not going to consume your life with video games because it's not healthy for you. Family time outside all the stuff. And so one of the games we will not let him play is Fortnite. And I'm very strict on the on the types of games. And some parents are like, and that's fine. Again, I don't care what your friends are doing and stuff. But he actually came to me. He did had to do a research report at school, and so he's like, so mom, I had it was like an opinion article or basically like get research to support your. Idea or your reasoning, and so he went and did all this research on the benefits of Fortnite, and he brought that to me. And it was like it was a great conversation because he didn't bring it to me like, well, so and so says it. He was like, "So, mom, can I talk to you about something I did at school?" And I'm like, "Well, sure." And he's like, "So, I know, I know you don't like Fortnite, and I know that you still might not let me play, but I found some evidence on why I why it is a good game to play." And I'm like, "Well, awesome. Let me hear it." And so we had a great conversation about that. At the end of the day, it was still like, well, I, I, I love that you did this and this was awesome. And, but here's my reasoning why, and for Mm -hmm. you specifically, why we don't play that game. And it was, and he was like, okay. And like, he just has accepted that and he understood it. And But we were able to have this conversation and I told him like, always do that. If there's something that, I mean, I'm happy for you to go provide, go do research. I mean, that's a huge life skill to be able to go prove your point and say, Hey, I want to back up and have this evidence on why I should get to do this or why I should get to do these things. It doesn't always mean that it's going to happen, but bring that to me because I might be able to say, you know what, you did this very well and you thought this out very thoroughly and absolutely I've changed my thought on this. Mm -hmm. So I think that is such a good skill to have, especially when you look at the world we're in with politics. Nobody wants to have those open conversations. And if we can teach our kids to be like, yes, bring me your evidence. And sometimes you can change somebody's mind. And sometimes you can't. And that's okay, too. So I I love that. I love that. And so it just reminded me of that situation that just happened a couple weeks ago with him. And I was like,
1: super impressed. And I'm like, all right, buddy. Like, nice. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I like that because it's teaching him at an early age to be a critical thinker. You know, we're not doing that. I hear this time and again, we're not doing that enough in the schools. We're having them regurgitate to pass the te- state tests or the whatever tests. Mm-hmm. and But we're not teaching them to be critical thinkers. And when we take that skill to that next level for them, it's not just an assignment at school. It, it is. It's a conversation for how I can maybe, you know, tell mom and dad this is what I'm thinking this is why I'm thinking it without all the drama and the emotions and the you know storming of, up the steps and the slamming of doors it's like well no here this is this is why I believe this is the right thing what a great skill because when they go off to college then they're like they're going to be less influenced by all of the nonsense happening you know on campus because they'd be like well hold on a minute let me think through this and think through logically I Kudos to you for being open for him to come to you and say that too, because most kids would be like, Well, mom's not gonna care anyway. So kudos for opening that conversation and saying, Yeah, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I want I want you to do more of this. Well, thank you. I was I was impressed.
0: I was like, okay, I must be doing something right. This is great. And he was nervous. He was definitely like, Oh, Oh, like I don't know if you're gonna like it. And I'm like, dude, just like, let's just, let's hear it. Like, I want to hear about what you got to say. And so it was, it was a, a great thing. And I mean, it's helped, which we've, we have a really good relationship anyways, but he does come to that stuff. So I I was like, so excited about it. I'm like, yes, this is great. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> so this brings me to the next question, because I think this is another area that's really challenging. And honestly, this is probably the ultimate area outside of uncomfortable conversations mm-hmm. is discussing boundaries expectations but also dealing with that conflict because teenagers they they are like you said the hormones are crazy they sometimes get lippy they get mad they're slamming doors and that triggers us as parents And it's like <laughs> how do you manage those things to still keep that communication going maybe not right in that moment but just not damage the relationship i guess when those moments happen
1: yeah um, First thing, and I will, because I was not great at this, take a deep breath first. Like when you feel it's starting to ramp up, you need to step away, take a, take a breath and think like, all right, and even if your brain is screaming, oh, for the love of Pete, here we go again. You know, take a deep breath because if your kid is starting to ramp up and then you ramp up, you're just going to keep, everybody's going to keep ramping it up. So someone has to be the adult in the room to say, hold on, wait a minute here. It might be like you said, I, I can't do this right now, but I am happy to talk to you in, in, you know, in a half hour about this. Um, my parents would sometimes say, you know what? Everybody's mad right now. Let's take the night. Everybody think about this and we'll come back in the morning and revisit this or, my dad, one time, I, I don't remember he, one of my siblings, he was having, it wasn't an argument per se, but he was like, you know what? I think we both need to cool off right now and then we'll come back to this. So, and that's teaching your kid too, that, you know, just because you're in conflicts with someone doesn't mean that it needs to be ramped up to a whole drama thing. Sometimes we do just need to take a deep breath and say, hold on a minute. Like this is, not, we're both getting wi- wound up and, you know, riled up about it. Let's just take a breath. Let's figure this out, you know, how we can do this. I have this thing that's called the listening filter that I teach my couples. We start with, if you think about a funnel, so you think about the top part of the funnel, it's the stories we tell ourselves when something's going, you know, not the way we planned on it. So it's like, oh God, here we go. And do do I always have to argue with this kid? Why can't this kid, you know, just just do things because I told him or to, her too. So it's, we start telling ourselves stories about, oh God, here we go again. And then we start filtering a little bit into our feelings. So the feelings are like, oh man, so now the heart's starting to race and you're starting to get, you know, tense. And so now we're telling ourselves stories about here we go again and it's gonna be another fight and I dread talking to this kid, you know, over this stuff. Now I'm all mad and I'm all worked up. What's the smallest part of the funnel? It's the actual facts that are happening right now. what we need to ask ourselves is, what do I know for sure right now? Like, so what is what is it that this kid needs right now? And that's something that we need to think about and ask ourselves because our kids, especially teens, they're so wound up with hormones and bodily changes and everything of social changes that are going on and all of the chaos in the outside world that they're a little discombobulated when they come to us. So we need to be the ones to say, okay, what are the facts? What do we know for sure about this kid? And then ask, what does this kid need right now? Sometimes our child just needs our attention and they'll come at us for either negative or positive attention. You know, so they just want your attention. They want that time with you. Sometimes they're pushing for independence and you're not willing to give it yet. And that's that, that push pull that every parent and teen goes through. It's like, oh, they, you know, I want to give them some rope, but yet I know I need to keep them safe. So, you know, how do I keep them safe and still let them start wandering, you know, the the roads? And that's a hard one for everybody. But we need to ask ourselves, is my child looking for independence? Is he trying to start making some decisions for himself and kind of asking me permission, but kind of asking me to stay out of it, you know, because <laughs> sometimes they they want to be adults and they want to do this adulting thing. But yet they're like, but adulting sucks and it's hard and I still want to be a kid, you know, like. I mean, there's grown-up days where we're like, I still just want to go back to being a kid. Yes, <laughs> so, so, you know, And we can ask ourselves that, like, is he struggling with that? I want to be an adult, but I still want to be a kid. Is that where, you know, this this child's feeling a little um, unequal in, in his balance? our kids don't realize the life-changing decisions they're making. They see it as a, you know, a decision I'm making for today. And who cares three years from now or five years from now? Or, you know, we talked with the coalition that I volunteer with. We talk about kids and vaping all the time. And they're like, oh, but it's not that bad. But the science is telling us that continually putting that stuff in your lungs, long-term it's really bad, Mm -hmm. you know, but in the moment, they're like, I'm just hanging out with my friends. It's not that big of a deal kind of thing. So that's where we need to, again, take deep breath and go, okay, is this an educational moment for us? And one other thing, revenge, when we talk about the four reasons that, that kids, you know, misbehave, the last one is revenge. You know, like we may have told them no about something two days ago and they're still stewing about it. We're so past it, like, you know, we're not even aware that it's still sitting with them, but your kid may still be honked off and mad at you about it. So whatever it is you're talking about right now might not actually be what the fight's all about. It might be something that they're still mad at you about from two days ago that you're not even aware of. So <laughs> sometimes they're like, oh, no, she told me no. And then my friends make fun of me and blah, blah, blah. So this is sitting. So I'm like, so I'm going to get her now. You know, they get that revenge and they start saying very mean things to us. When our kids say things like, you know, I hate you and you're the worst mom ever. And, and uh, you know, I'm going to go live with somebody else because you're a terrible parent. You know, that's just revenge words because they're frustrated and they they really they don't mean it. They're just in that heat of the emotions and the heat of the moment. And, you know, so often they're like, I don't know what to say because I don't know how to express what I'm feeling. So I'm just going to say mean things. So, (laughs) so Again, we have to be the adult in the room, which is so hard because it's so easy to get ramped up into the emotions, that emotion stage of the funnel too. So, um, set the example early on on conflict resolution. If you can start doing that when they're little, like, look, I can see you're really mad about this. Let's have a conversation before it gets, you know, ugly. Um, if you can start that early on and teach them that self-regulating early on then you won't have as many conflicts later on, which I'm watching my daughter do that with her daughter too. And it's it's hilarious because now Emma will be like, I just need a deep breath. Like <laughs> she's just, like, <laughs> it's just three and a half and she'll just be like, you'll just see her. <sighs> You know, just lie, they call it lion's breath. She'll do a lion's breath if she's feeling frustrated, which when we can teach our kids to self regulate early, we're not going to have as many conflicts with them as teenagers Mm -hmm. because they're learning to handle those emotions, those big emotions. So, um, so yeah, and that was a lot. Um, but going back to really the overall theme of we have to be the adult in the room. We need to pull the temperature down when it starts rising. If we can do that, and even that means I, I, Really upset with you right now, and we both need a break. And I will talk to you in a half hour. Go to your separate rooms. Everybody, calm down. Come back again. So we come back to the table. Those are, you know, that was a lot of information, but those are those little things that we need to think about. Like, what does my kid need from me at this moment? Mm-hmm. Those are. That's the question that we need to ask. Yes, and I think that it's so important too. Like
0: you said, with being the adult, and by doing that, you're also setting the example so if you yes. go off and blow your top of course your kid's going to do that because they see you do those things if you start to regular or you say hey guess what i am very angry and upset right now and it could have been not even with your kid it could have been a situation at work but you being able to show them and express that say i am very mad right now i need a minute to decompress to catch my breath to kind of focus and you know cool down a little bit then they're going to see wow Okay, mom and dad got really mad about this situation, but this is how they reacted. So when my friend at school or my teacher makes me really angry, this is how I can react. And it's showing them those same things. And I think a lot of the time we as parents get mad because our kid, the way they react to us or to other people, but we're like, well, but let's look in the mirror for a second. How do we react (laughs) to those things? Because in all honesty, they're probably doing what we do. Uh And when we're not taking a breath or we're screaming back at them. Okay, fine. Like, then let me call somebody right now and you can leave if you want. Like, that's how doing do anything. Just like, okay, all right, cool. Like, let me know when your bags are packed, if that's really what you want to do. But I'm I'm here for you. And I mean, I still love you and this, that, and the Uh other. And I think sometimes they're kind of like, well, I don't really want to leave. Like, wait a minute. Right. It's just kind of like (laughs) you're... Just like, all right, like, I'm if that's what you want to do, if that's what's going to make you feel better, and then they're like, wait a minute, but no, I just, and it's like, well, that's what you said, and then it's in that conversation of a great learning tool. Well, we probably shouldn't say things when we don't mean them. Yes, so there's a lot to that, and I think that we could talk about that for hours and hours because I think that conflict <laughs> piece is so massive in teenagers, and how we can, as adults, manage our emotions to show our kids is crucial and in, in that yeah. aspect for sure of being, cause we can tell them all day long, but if we're not showing that they're not going <laughs> to listen. <laughs>
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> so I love that. I think that's great. That whole, that aspect there. So, um, like I said, we go and we're going to probably have Amy back on again and we're going to just keep talking about this stuff because we can talk about this stuff all the time. And there's so many good beneficial things in this, but Amy, what else would you want to share with your parents before we kind of wrap up this episode? Like what, what are the tips or tricks or things? I know we have some resources that are going to be in the show notes for you guys. So definitely check those out, but what else would you want to kind of tell parents about communicating with their teenagers?
1: A couple of things. Remember that they are learning and growing. They're in a, a stage, you know, our little, our toddlers, they, they start doing massive steps, you know, in growth. And then they kind of everything evens out for a little bit. Your kids as preteens and teens are hitting another one of those big spurts. So remember they're learning, they're growing, they're trying to figure things out, but they're figuring out bigger things that they had to before. So they're struggling a little bit with that too. Um, space and grace. As they go through this, sometimes that's what we need to do is give everybody a little space, a little grace um, through it all. Listen with everything you've got. When your kid comes to you, you put down the phone, you turn off the TV, you do whatever you need to do to establish that I am here for you right now. I'm listening right now. Get that one-to-one time in with your kids. And I know it's hard. Everybody's busy, busy, busy. But that one-to-one time might even be the 10-minute drive from your house to the to the school. I did that with all of my kids. I drove them back and forth to school because that was my time where I was one-to-one with them. And I'm like, all right, so what's your day looking like, you know, before you go to school. So get that one-to-one time and show interest in their interests. I hate video games, not good at them. There's too many buttons on the controller kind of thing, but our youngest was all about it. Um, and he was a big Lego kid too. So we would do Legos together, which I love because I love puzzles. But he also was a Star Wars fan. So the one video game I would play with him was the Star Wars Lego game because the characters were hilarious because, you know, the way Princess Leia would just kind of wiggle as she walked in the whole thing. So if we would just goof around to do that, as much as I don't like video games, I would do that with him. So kind of get yourself in there a little bit. Um, Remember family dinners. We have seen through the research that family dinners make a huge difference in academic skills. We see it in their conversational skills, their social skills. You will find that that relaxed time to have those family conversations will make a huge difference because your voice will be in your kid's head even after they leave the dinner table. And it could be, you know, it it doesn't have to be serious stuff either. In fact, I just started a series on Fridays on um, Instagram and LinkedIn. You can find me there um, under my name, but I have a series of Friday um, dinnertime talks. So when I call it talk time, a recipe for, for um, connection, and it's just goofy questions. Like if you are a su- superhero, what would you, what superpower would you have and who would you help with it? You know, so get, it just gets the kids talking about, you know, silly off the wall kind of things, but yet we're practicing our communication skills. So just get in there and make yourself present. The more present you are, the better it is for your kiddos.
0: Yes, I, I love that. And I think those are all phenomenal tips. I mean, if, and it's like one of the things that we can't, don't have to always implement them all at once because that's hard, but like oh. start with one thing, like start with one thing. And then once that one's going great, add another one, add another one. And eventually, even if you don't have, I feel like, and, and tell me if I'm wrong in this, but I feel like even if you don't have the best relationship with your kid right now, especially if they're mm-hmm. a teenager, and it's just a lot of conflict and headbanging and head butting, But if you start to implement these things, and showing them that you're there and that you're present and that you care and, you know, honoring them and respecting them. I, that relationship is going to start to turn around. It may not be perfect and it not, might not be immediately, but you're going to start to notice changes. And because so I, I I know there's parents that are like, man, I, I, I've ruined it. I'm too late. Me and my kid don't get together
1: and da, da, da. it's like, no, it's never too late. It's never, never too late. late. No. No, definitely not. One other thing, um, and I I sent you a list of really good books um, that you can add to the show notes, and I love them all, Um, but one I forgot to put on there, and I would recommend to everybody is the five love languages, because if you understand your child's love language, it's so, so easy to connect with them. You know, so you knowing both your love language and your child's love language, that will Probably open up some of the, you know, conflict areas into a better communication because you're now communicating in a language that they accept and they, they take in. So okay. five love languages needs to be added to that list. I'm sorry. I didn't add it at that point, but the list that I gave you, Tracy, are some of my favorites. Um, and Josh ship, if anyone's raising kids and you're not following Josh, you need to follow Josh ship because he's hilarious and he totally gets teens like he totally gets teens. So <laughs> he's, a, he's a great resource.
0: That's awesome. Yes. And I would even add to um, on that of tools is the DISC assessment for communication, yeah. especially because it's also another one is love languages than DISC. I think if you could do both of those and learn those styles for your kids and for your, even your spouse, like everybody that's in your family, honestly, your communication is going to go like significantly up because you're going to now know how does this person communicate? How do they take this stuff? You know, what, what do they see as love. I mean, all the things. So I think that's awesome. But I mean, this was, this was amazing, Amy. It was a great conversation. Again, I would love to have you back so we could talk even more. And so thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for all the valuable insights, the experience, the, you know, the trainings, the tools, all the things, everybody make sure you go follow her, Um, her links will be in the show notes. So you LinkedIn, Facebook, check her out, keep, you know, follow her. She gives great videos and tutorials all the things, if you're really struggling, you need someone on support, I'm sure Amy would be happy to help you. And I know she's got some great programs out there. So again, thank you so much for being here. And we just can't thank you enough.
1: Thank you so much. I enjoyed it.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another unfiltered episode of adulting unplugged. If you enjoyed today's discussion and found it helpful, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. If you want even more resources, tips, and tricks, then go to our website at www.adulting-university.com, also in the show notes, and jump on our email list to keep up with all the latest and greatest. Until next time, remember that adulting is an ongoing journey and we're here to help you every step of the way. Stay tuned for more insightful episodes and in the meantime, keep adulting unplugged.